This is a Be Good Indie Arts podcast. Follow us at BGI Arts to learn more. Welcome to Chatterboxing. This is the miscellaneous podcast with only three guarantees. Excellent storytelling, engaging conversation, and an ever-changing premise. I am your host, independent artist and incessant conversationalist, Jesse Bloodgood. Let's kick off the chat. So I like to talk, hope you like to listen, cause I ain't gonna stop, I'm a man on a mission, it's Chatterboxing. So we made it. It is episode two. We did it. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know who to thank first. We we have made an accomplishment here today. We made it past that first episode. Uh, you as a listener, me as the podcaster. Unless you're listening for the first time and you skipped episode one. If that's the case, I mean, you're, it's only one episode. You might as well go back and listen to it. Uh, but here we are. All jokes aside, episode two, talking about something uh, quite different from what we were talking about in the last episode. I have another storytelling segment uh, for this particular episode, uh, but before I do, the opening chat that I want to have is uh, it's kind of an introduction. I have been thinking about the story that I wrote for this, how it might alienate people that don't have the same they don't have the same favorite football team. Or maybe they hate football altogether. And we're talking about American football. You might not even watch or care about that at all, but likely you have a favorite sports team. Maybe you're not a sports person at all. Okay, then likely you have a favorite band or a favorite author. There's, there's something that you look at and it just resonates with you. You root for this thing, this person. You, you root for something that kind of, you know, shoehorns you into camaraderie with all sorts of people from different walks of life. You have an interest that many other people have, even if they are completely different from you in every other regard. With a band or with especially a sports team, you can walk into a stadium, walk into a venue, and find yourself standing next to people from all walks of life. And everyone, for the most part, is there for the same the same reason so that's this beautiful connection that you can have in a really wild passionate way it's crazy how loud and obnoxious sports fans can be in unison when they're rooting for their favorite team and how that connects all of those people together in that moment uh, the same case goes for you know a favorite band i think it's a really good example as an you know not a sports team but a, you know another another thing up that alley where a lot of people get together for essentially this the same idea passion and they connect in that moment that they're there even if they'll never see each other again so I got thinking about that and, and thinking, well, you know, even while I talk about this team that I like and, and how this has affected my life, because I'm a very passionate fan of this particular football team, I thought, 
this should still resonate with people. And if not, at least the storytelling is going to tell, it's, it's going to explain why this needed to be in this podcast. Because this is not really about football. I'm not going to go and give you all these stats or, or, you know, talk about all these big plays or anything. It's not going to be all this, like, gridiron, you know, we're not, we're not trying to do that. What, what's going to happen is I'm going to bring you into a situation where you find a young me experiencing that sensation I just spoke about for the first time, uh, you know, being surrounded by all these different strangers who are our friends for the most part in that moment. And that's just a, a crazy sensation to have. And then jumping beyond that, talking about why that made me really realize, you know, a lot of things about myself. How how such a, you know, a commonplace thing, I mean, at least especially, you know, before, you know, lockdowns and quarantines and things like that, where you could go to a sporting event almost any night of the week. And, and be surrounded by tens of thousands of people. And hopefully we can get back to that. So I, those were my kind of my pre-thoughts before I jump into the story. And, and again, if you're not a sports fan, this story is, is still, I think, going to really be an, an interesting one. Because I, when I was writing it, I wasn't thinking about sports. I was thinking more about my myself, the way that I was uh, treated growing up, just because of of because I rooted for a team, like just because just because I liked something, I was treated a certain way. If we're gonna kind of dive into a little bit about, I, I won't I won't call it bullying. Maybe it is bullying, uh, but I guess it is. It's a form of bullying, and and stuff like that, and a, a little bit about self growth. Actually, a lot of bit about self growth. So uh, without further ado, this is story timing. I was a shy kid growing up. Really shy. I earned the name the PB&J King in elementary school, not because I liked eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches every day at lunch, but because the little self-serve containers filled with both components of the sandwich didn't require me to speak to the lunch server. At recess, I would bolt for the same piece of playground equipment every day. A lone, fading, yellow metal duck that sat on a single, large, bouncing spring. On the duck's back, there was a saddle, only big enough for one kid to use. And, much to my delight, the duck sat stoically by itself, a good 20 feet away from the rest of the playground. One day, a teacher eager to break down my walls enlisted one of my classmates to rush for the duck before I could get there. He beat me to it, and I watched in horror as my solitary solitaire was stolen from me, feeling absolutely no more outgoing than I had the day before. On a very different note, I often wore football jerseys to school, much like my brothers. I remember being particularly proud of my Lee Evans jersey. I wore the Bills number 83 jersey around many a time, at one point attempting to explain to a fellow classmate why it was awesome by showing off the authentic NFL jersey patch in the middle of the collar. But much like no one was impressed when I stepped out of my comfort zone in that moment to boast about my favorite team, I wasn't impressed 
when my classmates would pick teams like the Steelers, the Patriots, the Giants, etc., as their favorites. You see, they chose teams that were, well, good. It was easy for them to suddenly claim champions as their own. The Bills were a difficult team to like, and my classmates would let me hear it. If you admitted to being a Bills fan in school, a starved pack of loudmouths would quite literally point and laugh before going on to talk about how good their Steelers, or their Colts, or Patriots, or whoever the hell, even the Cowboys fans who hadn't seen a Super Bowl victory their entire lives had a richer history to fall back on. Kids were so relentless. And come to think of it, adults were too. Nearly any non-Bills fan you met needed you to know that you liked a bad team. They wanted you to be afraid to admit you supported Buffalo. And it worked. Imagine how easy it must have been to make such an anxious kid afraid of his own interests. It got to the point that I tried liking other teams. There were four or five others I pretended to root for. I got a little San Diego Chargers pillow ornament, a 49ers coin baggie, and I chose the Falcons when we played Madden 04. But I couldn't help it. I didn't give a crap about any of these other replacement teams. I was a Bills fan. Fuck you, Kelly Holcomb! And that is a direct quote from a Miami Dolphins fan at my first ever Bills game in 2005. Then named Ralph Wilson Stadium played host to a Bills 20-14 victory over their division rival that day. This was also the game in which during halftime the retired legendary halfback Thurman Thomas was added to the stadium's wall of fame. And I know I said I wouldn't talk stats, but this next little piece is just for context. That aforementioned quote was directed at the Bills' transient replacement quarterback, Kelly Holcomb, who had managed to connect with star wideout Eric Moulds for a two-yard touchdown in the second quarter. I'm the only Bills fan in my family, but all of us were rooting for the home team that day. Except John. Now, John, at times an obnoxious older brother, sported a Miami Dolphins jersey that I'm not even sure why he a Giants and Chiefs fan, primarily Chiefs these days, even owned. He would have stuck out like a sore thumb amongst the sea of Bills fans around us in the deck below the nosebleeds, but someone else took the spotlight from him. And you guessed it, it's fuck you Kelly Holcomb guy. A drunk, scruffy man with a wig that resembled the dreadlocks of Dolphins running back Ricky Williams sat beside us with his girlfriend. She watched on, concealing her embarrassment, as the man cussed not at just the players on the field, but at every Bills fan around him. He quickly made enemies while simultaneously winning the adoration of my brother. On the doorstep of a very legitimate fight with some Bills supporters who had just plain had enough, the couple left the game early, but not before the man gave John the Ricky Williams wig. My brother ate up the negative attention, proudly displaying the wig upon his head. I think we even have a picture of it somewhere. But me, on the other hand, I happily high-fived the Buffalo blue-clad strangers beside me whenever the home team picked up a first down or forced a punt. I felt at home, and surrounded by literally tens of thousands of people who were, in some weird way, in the same boat as me, it felt not just okay, but right 
to like this team. And, you know, I don't even know why I initially chose the Bills. My earliest memory of the team even existing is me playing in the front yard, by myself, with a miniature football that had a Bills logo near the laces. I threw the ball up into the air, caught it, and ran like I was making a mad dash for the end zone, over and over, several times a week, slowly wearing off the logo. I'm not even sure where the ball came from. It just existed. I just had it. It was just a part of my identity. And it all makes sense looking back. A kid playing by himself with a Buffalo football, pretending to be surrounded by teammates, fans, friends. My Bills fandom was a microcosm of my personality. I quietly rooted for the laughing stock of the National Football League the same way I quietly rooted for myself. My social experience resembled an average Bills season. I was completely unremarkable in every way, keeping my head down, never expected to stick out, never quite good enough to make the playoffs, and of course, never quite bad enough to have the first pick in the draft. Picked middle of the pack in gym class, scoring 90s on my tests while my classmates scratched at their scented 100% stickers. I took 7th place three years in a row at the school field day half-mile race. Places 1 through 6 got a special ribbon. I went home with the same green participation one that everyone else got. I had friends but didn't see them outside of school. Instead, I'd hear them talk about how they had a big birthday celebration that I either wasn't invited to or purposely chose not to attend because they made me anxious. It was a 7-9 and nine or an 8-8 eight and eight record for me year in and year out. And that remained true well into my teens. Summer vacation was my off-season, and a teacher conference day would be a bye week. But strangely enough, it was at school that I learned why being a Bills fan wasn't something to be ashamed of, but perhaps proud of. On the first day of second grade, I accepted my support for a team that was used to coming up short. And though it took me much longer to feel this way about myself, it was a start. I sat timidly at my desk, avoiding eye contact with my fellow students and not participating when the teacher started the class off with some ice-breaking playtime activities. I was terrified and homesick. The teacher approached me, kneeling next to my desk so we were eye level. I'm sure she asked what was wrong. I'm sure I mumbled some unclear response. What's important is what happened next. The teacher asked me, What's your favorite thing in the world? What do you like? The childhood cells in my brain had not yet put songwriting or whiskey or Ryan Johnson's neo-noir film Brick on the map yet. What came to mind instead was merely in my nature, a passion born into, not learned. I liked the bills. I can still see the teacher's warm, widening grin when she realized in that moment in her second grade class, she had met one of her own. Me too, she said proudly. I didn't watch Super Bowl 55. I couldn't. My gut had been turned around twice over watching the Buffalo Bills gallop and then limp their way through the playoffs for the first time in my waking memory. Then I saw them finally give way to a team who had already had their chance. 
the Chiefs gleefully finished off Buffalo's hopes of a Super Bowl berth. Just to be embarrassed by the Bills' own supervillain, Tom Brady, two weeks later in front of a hometown Tampa Bay crowd. And that's Wild West justice, honestly. I mean, I was going to say cowboy justice, but we are talking about football, and we can all do without talking about the Cowboys any more than we need to. Anyway, I couldn't even pretend to be interested in who won that game. John, remember the Chiefs fan? He was pissed to see the Chiefs take the L, but he did get to see them win literally the year before, marking the third time in his life he'd seen a team he rooted for take the Lombardi Trophy. I'd never seen the Bills win even a playoff game up until this run. When the Bills faced off against the Colts in the wild card round, I held my phone with a death grip, recording the last play of the game, knowing it would either be the biggest Bills accomplishment I'd ever seen live, or I would be documenting one hell of a painful letdown to relive every time I rewatched the video, which I'm sure I wouldn't. In the video, my father, a Packers fan, remarks, Jump ball! as Philip Rivers chucks a Hail Mary. Being the opposing quarterback, for those who didn't know. Somehow, the ball gets knocked down and falls harmlessly to the turf. Meaning, the Bills won. I then turn the camera to my beautiful baby nephew. John's son. Much to his father's descent, the only Christmas gifts I got the kid were Bill's items, including a Bill's football. I'll say it again. Including a Bill's football. We did it, buddy! I shout. We won a playoff game! My father chuckles. My mom cheers as she holds onto the baby. He laughs, not knowing what's going on. The video cuts. The announcers run through the final play a few times, then send it down to the field for interviews, followed by a commercial break. Everyone is looking at me, smiling. I think of all the times people made me feel small. Just for rooting for a fucking football team. I think of how those same people will either take to social media to suddenly pretend to be diehard Buffalo fans, or how they will ridicule me and all other Bills fans for boasting about the victory. I linger on the hypocrisy for a second. Why can't I be proud about my team? Why does it have to suddenly be your team? Why can't you just let me win? Why do you need to make me feel like seventh place? Then I let it go. I think of everything that's changed over the course of my life. The anxious little boy I was, just dreaming of this team being good enough to prove to me that I'm good enough. D did we do it? Did we actually do it? Was I really patient enough to have my turn? What a tiny little victory in life. But a tiny, minuscule victory in a tiny little life that somehow meant everything.
Think of the people and the things that aren't here in this moment. I think of my favorite childhood dog that got hit by a car. I look down into my hands and I start crying. Aren't you happy? My mom says. My best friend rubs my back. And involuntarily, I respond, I wish my dog was here. Tears and sorry snot run rivers down my face. Then I get up and I walk out of the room. No more, nor less, a Bills fan than I've ever been. Yet somehow, just a bit more myself. was story timing. Thank you for listening. I will like to add a little final chat. chat, chat, chat. We got to really work on that echo effect. But I, I do really want to uh, fill in some notes here for the ending of this story. And I felt the final chat could kind of tie into my notes for story timing. So I'm putting the two together here. Here's the thing. I know a ton of you all five of you that listen to this podcast are probably thinking the same thing. Wow, he ended the story on a playoff win. Well, first off, no, the Bills didn't run the table. They didn't go and win the Super Bowl, but they did advance. They they won another game. They were looking really good, uh, but they ran into a team that wound up being better than them. However... Here's a little stat for you. And I know I said I wouldn't do stats, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah. This is this is the stat just to wrap this up. Or maybe not even wrap this up, just to break this open for you to think about. The Bills had not won a playoff game since 1995. And, and again, if you're not a sports fan at this point, if you're still listening to me talk, first off, a round of applause for you. Like, thank you. And hopefully maybe the reason you're still listening is because the storytelling really, you know, resonated with you in a special way hopefully not in a way that made you remember being bullied in school before I actually go off and and continue my point here uh, I gotta just backpedal and 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 kind of capture what I just said and present it back into the face of those who are thinking bullying like you didn't get a swirly this was just you know people yeah people jib jab about their their favorite sports teams all the time you know have a little bit of stone skin take a joke I get that I 100% get that and you know what I I do that to a degree I am just like any other sports fan you know I I love the idea of it's my team against yours there's some bragging there's some boasting you know it's not just even celebrating but yeah a little bit of trash talk here and there where the line is drawn is at the point that you are purposefully trying to make someone feel uncomfortable in a social situation there is indeed a difference between jabbing back and forth with your buddy about each other's teams and purposely trying to embarrass someone for liking something. Seeking out ways to make someone uncomfortable because of their interests is just a trashy thing to do. 
It's a lot like pointing and laughing at someone for what they brought to the lunch table. You are attracting negative attention to them for no good reason, which is an incredibly jarring thing for someone with social anxiety. There's a difference between ball busting and ostracizing. As an aside, I've never fully understood volatile trash talk. I get celebrating, even boasting or showboating, but I, I feel like insulting your opponent is rarely warranted. Okay, maybe if they are cheating, or if they are totally full of themselves, or if they are Rob Gronkowski and are sore losers, so they hit Trey White helmet to helmet after he's both down and out of the field of play, I get the volatile shit talk then. Call them out right there, absolutely. In that moment, they deserve to be recognized for being a piece of shit. Anyway, I digress. Back to my point, the Buffalo Bills winning a playoff game. It's... It sounds so minuscule, but this had been so long. It had been so long since it had happened. I was born in 97, so I never saw, even if there had been, you know, contention-worthy seasons, which there really weren't, during my lifetime leading up to the, you know, this point, these, these last couple of years, it's not worth remarking about. So that's my thought on that. It was it was a very long time, and obviously I had never experienced this thing. So it that moment, even more so than any other successes that came afterwards in that playoff run, you know, made their mark on me. Other notes: Kelly Holcomb, the quarterback mentioned earlier, where the fuck you, Kelly? Holcomb, that whole thing. He was uh he was a replacement, a veteran replacement for the quarterback J.P. Lossman who was drafted in the 2004 draft. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm dating myself here trying to recall how everything, everything went, but JP didn't have a stellar year, and Kelly came in. Uh, Kelly was only there for two years. JP uh, actually played a full seven seasons there in Buffalo. Uh, I don't know how much he played. I, I mean, I'm sure he had, he had injured. There was a number of times he dealt with injuries during his career, uh, including his rookie year in training camp, a teammate ran into him and and injured him, and that just sent his career spiraling. And, it, like, that right there is Bill's luck. You trade up, because they traded up to get J.P. Lossman. You trade up to get your star player, and then in his rookie training camp year, or rookie year training camp, rather, a teammate runs into him and injures him, and, like... I'm pretty sure that that said teammate is now like the head of the uh, the players union for the NFL. So that's great. This has been Chatterboxing, and I really appreciate you for listening. I really appreciate you for putting up with my Bills fandom. I'm promising that this will not be a common occurrence. And I would really, really appreciate it if you took the time to do two things for me right now. If you would go rate the show. Uh, the best place usually to do that is iTunes. And for all of us old enough to remember JP Lossman, we probably have an iTunes account. So if you can figure out the password of that son of a bitch and go on there and just find the show, Chatterboxing, Jesse Bloodgood. I don't know how it's going to be posted as an artist. It's going to be different than uh, Stories on the Spot. You will be able to pretty easily find it under Chatterboxing, I would imagine. Not too many other people are trying to use that name. <laughs> Uh, and, and just give it that five-star review, leave some comments if you don't mind, leave some feedback. I'd love to hear it, and it just it makes such a difference for those who are just 
peeking around for new shows, they might see that and think, oh, okay, I'll, I'll give this a try. The other thing, if you can just take some time out of your way, it's not even, it's, it's like hardly any time. You know what? I'm doing you a favor by asking you to do this. The next time you run into somebody and you have nothing to talk about, mention the podcast and just say, hey, you know, what podcasts are you into? Blah, 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 blah. Oh, I'm into cereal because everyone's into cereal or was. And then you'd then be like, oh, yeah, also, go check out Chatterboxing. Uh, it's, you know, it's a way to just uh, spread spread the name organically. And that goes a long way for me. Uh, I'm currently standing in my childhood bedroom recording this and uh, expecting not a whole lot of people to listen to it. And I would be very pleasantly surprised if more than I expected happen to tune in and find this interesting. Thank you for listening, and I will see you next time for our next chat. This is a Be Good Indie Arts podcast. Follow us at BGI Arts to learn more.